Sweet, we're live. Hello, live. live. We are live. I'm here with, uh, well, Kevin, but I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, Kevin. Tell, tell, the, tell the lovely folks who you are. Okay, so um, my name's Kevin, as you've already said. I, um, I was in the year above Will at uni, so I'm currently a graduate working VFX, just making spells all day and playing video games. That's about all I do. Killer, man. That's a, that's a, a humble man. Uh, <laughs> the, so, like, I've looked at some of the, the, the work you've been doing, and it's, uh, it's really, really cool. It's, you're working on a, an MMO? At the moment, yeah. Uh, I'm working on a uh, MMO called Depths of Erendorn. It's like the most fantasy name you can imagine. It's pretty fantasy, and it's. Uh, I've I've had a little look at the dev page, and it's it's amazing the amount of uh, the v, the different VFX that you've managed to achieve in that in that in that in the trailer alone. Uh, it must be quite a epic undertaking because I believe you're you're the only VFX artist on the team. Uh, yeah, I am the um, the only, I mean, you could say I'm the lead of my department, really, because uh, it is just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good times, honestly. Um, Sort of my favorite thing about working as a freelancer originally was getting to work on a lot of different things all the time. So I never felt like I got bogged down with like making only bonfires or making only rocks or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, so in a situation like this where we have hundreds of characters and everything needs an effect, I get to work on so many different things that it really kind of helps to keep yourself from getting bored, which... I think it's great because I get bored pretty easily by doing the same thing over time. Yeah, and I can imagine that with so many different characters needing so many different effects, they've all got to be visually unique from each other. I was playing uh, Final Fantasy online recently and looking at the VFX in there, and uh, mm. it's, a, it's a real clusterfuck. There's so much like light and, and noise and, and crazy effects, and some of, some of the effects are literally just like out of this world crazy i mean it's final fantasy so japan really know how to turn things up to 11 um, oh yeah and uh yeah it must be it must be quite uh it must be really difficult after a certain amount of time to like keep things fresh and keep things uh feeling unique to each other i think you yeah you, you told me the other day that you were work you were like i'm gonna make this paladin based just because i i feel like it yeah <laughs> that's the freedom you get when you're the leader right mm-hmm um, yeah, it's been quite a lot. Like I've, um, I really delved into a lot of um, concept art myself, just uh, from being on this project. Where I've kind of just like you know grabbed a picture of the character and then just start drawing around them. Like, what kind of colors do I think this character has? What kind of you know little bits do they have? Like, the spider has sort of like poison dripping off her effect. The uh, sort of fishman, shape of water guy, he's got like water splashes going on. Um, you know, you just got to keep it fresh and it's difficult, but you just kind of, you just kind of do it. Yeah. Like, you just kind of look at the character and you're like, hello, spider lady. Who are you? Can you tell me what's special about you? And then <laughs> that's, uh, something comes to mind. That's, that's really cool, man. That's really like smart workflows. I suppose you're getting, you are getting character concepts right so it's you're not just having to make this up out of a vacuum it's like here's a yeah. character, here's a function this is how they play and then yeah the constraints almost make things easier sometimes right like oh you, definitely if you were just free to do whatever for every character it'd be a bit overwhelming the, the blank shit yeah. is terrifying right but 
honestly, the worst thing that could happen is someone giving you, saying, could you make spells for our mage? And I'm like, okay, which ones? And they're like, oh, just anything. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do get these characters with um, concept art. They have 3D models. Uh, most of them are animated already, and they have a list of spells and effects for what each of the spells do. Um, so it isn't it isn't too tricky for me to like think of which spells they need. It's more about thinking about how the spell looks, because the spells are already created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just you just got to put your 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 sparkle on top of it, right? That's what I do. Oh man, I love VFX. It's uh, it's so funny because. Two years ago when I start, because I literally just graduated, like, uh, well, I say grad, I'm a graduund now, um, mm. with a bit of English syntax for you, but like, the, uh, yeah, being a graduand, you're just like, oh, wow, everything's, uh, everything's finished, and now I know what I'm specializing in, but if you'd have told me three years ago, yeah, you're going to do the explosions, I'd have probably been like, cool, how do you do that, and seen, seen the, like, how technical it is, and just be like, nope, nope, no way, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> But then, like, I don't know, it's you sort of crack it, or at least I found that I cracked into it, and then you... So, suddenly there's this whole world of possibilities available, and it seems like everything you do, you show people who don't have any idea how to do it, they're like, you're a wizard! It's like, no, it's really simple, it's just these three nodes. But, like, yeah, are you are you working in um, Unreal for this project? Uh, this project uh, actually started out in Unity, uh, and then we moved on to Unreal, so... Um... It's kind of been in both, um, but at the minute it is Unreal, and that's what we're going forward with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I sort of, uh, I have a lot of samples of effects for the game made in Unity, and then I have all of the current stuff remade in Unreal. Um, honestly, that was such a challenge, kind of trying to recreate effects from Unity and Unreal. Um, which, you know, you wouldn't think it's difficult, because obviously I've got all the textures and I know the movements. Um, but just the the two sort of particle editors, the Cascade and Shuriken, they are so similar, yet so different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, what is, it's like, is this, does this noise do what I want? Nope, this does something slightly different. <laughs> That's more like the orbit node, and then if I make it... Yeah, that is. Work... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, it was a bit of a learning experience, honestly, because I had mainly worked in Unity previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am feeling, I'm feeling very confident in Unreal nowadays. Um, I just I mean, it's been a few months, so <laughs> I don't mean to to slag off Unity. They've they've got a great engine, but like the particle system in Unreal for me at least is just so much more versatile. Um, I yeah, like I, I must agree. The Unity one's a bit limited comparatively, and then and then I haven't even touched Niagara, and uh, that's supposed to be a whole level above. So <laughs> yeah, honestly, Niagara is sort of like. I would kind of say it's sort of like the mix between the two, because it has all of the like easy to use possibilities of Unreal, but it has the really simple layout of Shuriken from Unity, which honestly is what I miss the most about Unity. It's just how easy it is to find your nodes because everything's on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just you know you just check on the ones with the right names, but in Unreal you kind of have to like manually find the nodes. Yeah. So if you don't previously know what it's called, it can be a bit difficult. Um, but yeah, Niagara is really nice. Uh, I haven't gotten to use it that much because uh, we don't have it integrated in the main project. But I have been dabbling in it on my own time quite a lot. Yeah, that's cool. So I mean, I think it might be interesting because a lot. I mean, I think most of the people that listen to this at the moment are uh, my friends in the Games Academy. 
So uh, it might be interesting for them to kind of understand, because this was you a year ago, right? You, you've, you yeah. were in the <laughs> position that I'm in right now, uh, staring Time down. really does play. Yeah. So what was, what was like, what was your little journey? What, what happened? How did you, how did you end up where you are and, and any lessons that you could, you could teach to people? Ah, uh, lessons, huh? Um, I think, uh, I think in my case, in my case, at least I was quite lucky. Um, cause I started working, uh, freelance before I graduated. Uh, so during my third year and during the projects we did third year, I was already working as a freelance VFX artist. Uh, so I kind of had a lot of that experience behind me when I graduated. Um, so once I graduated, I moved up to Redford to uh, stay there for a month with uh, my partners. We lived up there for a month, um, uh, waiting for him to, because he was applying for jobs in a studio uh, while I was applying for freelancing. So obviously we were kind of moving based on where he would be placed since I work remotely. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so as I said, um, I was already working during third year. So once I graduated, I finished off the contract that I was on. Um, and then I just kind of started taking on what other suggestions came to me. Um, it's one of these tricky things because once you have that in, like once you got your foot in the door and you have a little bit of experience, you really can quite easily snowball off of that. Uh, but it is definitely that initial push that is very difficult. Um, I would say I just got really lucky with mine, to be honest. I <laughs> I just posted some uh, stuff on Twitter. You know, I posted a GIF and I was like, made this VFX lately, hashtag VFX. Um, and then I got a DM and someone was like, hey, I really love the way this looks. Would you like to work for me? <laughs> Okay, so, uh, so yeah, Kevin's top tip: just, just, just put random shit posts on lucky. Twitter, and yeah, be lucky, um, and also make. I mean, like to be fair, is what was the what was the effect? Is it one that I've seen? Is it on your art station? Uh, uh, uh let's check. It's the um, it's the lunar beam that's on my art station, actually. Good uh, old uh, the one from Faye, is it or? Uh, the, it was just a uh, separate thing I made. Um, it wasn't in Faye, but I. I wish it was, but they wouldn't let me put it in. <laughs> I should, uh, should put yeah. it Faye was your third year game, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the uh, game I worked the third year, where I kind of... Um, it's kind of like the game where I realized what I wanted to do, because initially... Um, I think this is a story that happens to a lot of VFX artists, I think. A lot of the ones I've spoken to, at least, kind of share the same sentiment, where you start out studying just game art, you know, concept art, 2D art, 3D art. Um, and then a lot of us did environment art and you kind of make a scene and you're like, oh, I need a little bit extra. Maybe I'll look up go YouTube, how to make falling leaves in Unreal Flower. Um, and it just kind of clicks and you're like, wait, this is the exciting part. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of start out because there's not a lot of, it's not like there's a VFX specific route and Honestly, like VFX as a concept was never really brought up in the game development um, lectures we had and stuff like that. It's one of these things that's really, it's, it's sort of really niche, but it's very important. Yeah, I think it's, uh, the way I always describe it is like uh, VFX and SFX are how players know that their interactions are being recognized by the game. Oh, um, definitely. And so I think, it's quite funny you say that because my 
my journey was fairly similar. You know, I I did I did three D modeling, I did uh, some two D concept stuff, and I like you know I was really like oh I love this concept stuff, but I am nowhere near good enough to be a concept artist. Uh, that bar is very high. Oh jeez, <laughs> I got friends that are, like going for the uh, the the concept art route, and it's like these these people are amazing at what they do, and I'm like I really. I, I've got my fingers crossed for you because I've just heard endlessly how hard it is to get into that that route. And so I was I was watching actually a League of Legends video over the summer last summer maybe or the summer before even, and yeah. uh, and it was just like all the different routes into the games industry. And one of them was just this bit with uh, the VFX department, and I was like, those dudes and and chick because I think there was a girl in the VFX department, I can't remember. But those 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 dudes really seem to know what the fuck they're doing. Like, they seem to be having a great time. Um, yeah. And I looked it up, and the more I looked into it, and they did sort of mention it, but it wasn't really... They didn't teach us um, any VFX, really, uh, in the academies. But when I looked it up, I was like, oh, apparently this is a highly in-demand industry, and I might might look further into this. And like you say, like as you do your first little bits and it, uh, at first it's really like, I don't know, it feels like trying to build Lego bricks with like your eyes closed, but like after a little bit of time, you're, you know what you're trying to do and you, you you've got your methodology and then you, you're like, ah, I've done it. That worked that, uh, or you come up with a, it's really weird how often tech art and VFX sort of blend into each other because you'll be trying to do something in VFX and you'll accidentally stumble across a different thing that is purely tech art, but you, you steal a little element from it and put it into your VFX. And you're like, okay, I don't, I don't really know whether the line is drawn here, but it, it's, I just love wandering across that line where you're not really, it's not hundred percent art based and it's not hundred percent programming. It's somewhere in the middle. And it's, I don't know, there's a real satisfaction to getting a VFX shot to work. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is definitely a blurry line between those two. Um, like I've, I've often seen sort of job openings, even sort of, marked with tech art but then the description is basically a vfx artist and mm. i've seen people look for vfx artists but what they want is someone to create technical shaders and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like we're getting a little bit of that designer um seen designer struggle with but there's a lot of overlap um and no one can quite agree on where the line is drawn yeah oh god yeah design is another like good luck getting a graduate job as a designer. I mean, people do it and there are jobs yeah. out there, but it's, uh, it's, th that's a tricky one. You know what? <laughs> most, is, yeah. most designers from what I understand in industry are coming from, Oh yeah. I spent three years as an environment artist or, or something else, programmer, whatever. And then I moved into design once I had an idea of like the pipeline and how it all worked. And like, cause you have to be so integrated into not just like, you're, you're essentially like managing people while also being creative with ideas and logic and you have to then prototype things and you have to get the team to coordinate around your concept and give them something that they can then put themselves into so that it can grow but not not give them too like too much freedom so that they don't stick to your it sounds like yeah a, i mean i've tried it and it's fun <laughs> but it's, oh, it's it is tough it is tough to yeah. design as a as a like main career honestly it's it's one of these routes that i think it's underestimated just how much knowledge is needed to be a good designer mm -hmm. like just a vast sort of like you need to know so much about everything and how everything works and everything feels 
Yeah. And so much about it. Like, even from the player's perspective, like, at the end of the day, it's kind of your job to make sure the players feel good and that everything in the game kind of works towards that goal of the players feeling good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that is and not what easy. A nightmare. What a f- like, can you imagine? Oh, God, every day you come into work and they go, yeah, players don't feel like this is fun. And it's like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Let me just uh, hit the fun button. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to generate fun last night. Let me just ah, enter. There we go. Procedurally generated yeah. some fun. Yeah. You uh, open up the code and you're like, um, I don't know, so colon, colon, <laughs> slash, add fun. <laughs> Get component fun, I don't know. <laughs> Set component engagement to full. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's design. I don't know why they get paid so much, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it, is, it is tricky. It's, um, it's very, very few of the design graduates that got design jobs. A lot, of them, a lot of them have gotten games industry jobs, but as kind of different roles or like design adjacent roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few of them. Um, I think got into pure design. Yeah. Um, luckily, you... Miles, my partner, he uh, he's now a level designer for Angry Birds. Oh wow! And that's that's why we're living up here in Dundee now. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, so we we got really good on that one. So how long did it take him to get into the industry then? Um, he did get hired about a month after we graduated, because uh, that's why we stayed with his parents for a month. Um, uh, I was working freelance during that time um, while he was going through job applications. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was uh, honestly, it's uh, <laughs> I, I hate to say that it's a lot of luck involved because I feel like a lot of people kind of um, devalue the hard work that goes into finding a job. Yeah, but um, it's it's a lot of hard work looking for a job. Like it's going to be discouraging because you're going to get a lot of rejections. Um, but obviously it's not personal, it, it's literally just portfolio and skill-based. Uh, and you just kind of have to like understand why you're being rejected and work on that. Um, so when it comes to looking for jobs, honestly, it's going to be disheartening, it's going to be tough. But you kind of like, you just have to keep going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just got to muscle on and then eventually someone will be a fit. Yeah, like suddenly, like one day you will just find one and they'll just be like, yeah, you're perfect, love it. <laughs> Jump in! I'm excited for that day, man. That's uh... <laughs> yeah. It, I'm sure it'll come along soon. Um, yeah, I picked an industry that's that's desperate for artists. So all I got to do is get my portfolio up there to the point where it's actually worth something to someone to hire me, and then then it'll happen. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, once it's um, you know polished up and good looking, you drop that shit on our station, and your message box will just be flooded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've got to do a little clean up of my art station, etc. Remove some old pieces. Uh, <laughs> well, you should have you know you should have seen how many iterations of my show reel I went through. I think the one I uploaded in the end, um, its original name I swear was something like VFX reel final final version two complete version two complete final VIP. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, naming conventions. Oh, Ooh, yeah. That is, uh, God, naming conventions, bro. That's something I uh, struggle with. That's I do my best to keep it up. It but... must be hard, though, if you're, if you're like, you know, for, v- for working freelance, you've, you've got to keep everything neat and organized, right? So, like... Yeah, it's, it's a bit tricky, because I, I sort of have my own way of doing it that I'm organizing my files on my computer with. Mm-hmm. 
But every project I go into, they always kind of have their own way of doing it. Yeah. So you have to sort of very quickly kind of uh, pick up on how they're naming things and how they're sorting things out mm-hmm. and keep that up. And then you get into a new project, boom, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I've. Uh... <laughs> So this last bit of the year, I've been working freelance on a bunch of different teams, yeah, uh, which has been really, really fun. Um, but it is funny. I've, I've come privy to that where I've been put into four different people's repos. And, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's great. It's like it's like people's bedrooms, man. It's like sometimes they're really neat and they're immaculate and tidy. Uh, and other times they're uh, they're a bit more like mine and a bit of a mess sometimes. <laughs> and then you just uh-huh. have files everywhere and there are like three versions of different assets and you're like, God, guys, I can really see all of your history. Like, <laughs> it's quite entertaining. And Rico, yeah, like, how much? How, so this is something that I've come across mm. is that most people don't actually know how to use repositories and stuff. How much of that do you use being like freelance? Uh, well, to be fair, every single project I work on um, is always repo based. Um, so you need to As know in, how to use a repo, share things, upload, oh yeah. push, all um, that good stuff. Especially nowadays stuff. when almost every role is work from home. Um, understanding how to use version control and repositories is definitely a skill that you can highlight on your CV nowadays. Yeah. And in general, honestly, it is just it's something that it's not the funniest or most glamorous part of game development to understand, but uh, it is worth the sort of deep dive into it and really learning it because it's not going anywhere. Like it's this is how we're going hard. to use it. <laughs> it's really, it's really not, not. Too hard. It's just um, it's just scary the first few times you do it, right? Like, but then oh once, yeah. Once you break it enough times and you fix it enough times, you're like, ah, oh, this is why we're using repositories. Is because it's really easy to fix things when they go wrong. Like, well, normally yeah. it's really easy to fix things when they go wrong. Sometimes it'd be like, okay, we're gonna have to start this repo over because some somehow somehow it doesn't work anymore. I don't know. <laughs> but that I sounds like lived experience. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I love I love game jams, and so repos. I've worked with like a programmer in America a bunch of times. So repos and understanding them is like mission critical for any work to happen. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's there's been a few times where uh like the last last game jam I participated in, I I finally knew what LFS stood for. Up until that point I just always ticked that box on the repo thing when I said create and then I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, LFS, cool, whatever." And then I'm like Oh, I understand. Large file storage. Cool, cool, cool. Because I tried to upload something to the repo and broke it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> 100 megabyte files on GitHub. Doesn't not not happy about that. Um, yeah, I've uh, <laughs> been there, done that. I have broken a fair share of repos in my time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank God you can revert it. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole point, right? Is like we tried to do a game jam uh, like two summers ago. It was like the first one we did, and we were just sharing files via email, and it was like very quickly we ended up like writing uh... over each other's work and just not knowing where the latest version of the project was. And I was like, okay, this is why people use repos. It's obvious now. Yeah, I think first game jam I did as well. We um, we shared all of our work through a um, one USB stick that we would keep passing up and down the. Up and down the line of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's some old school shit, man. Uh, this is our yeah. file sharing. <laughs> Analog file sharing. 
Yeah, they always good times. Honestly, game jams, I think, are such an underrated um, experience. Uh, I, I don't know how it is with your year, because I, I, I haven't really... I wasn't in your year. Um, but in our year, at least, it was... Um, when we first started, it was such a rush for everyone doing the game jams, but then it quickly died down, and there would only be, like, three or four teams of people, you know, like, four or five people each that still would actively do them. Mm-hmm. And everyone else just kind of stopped. And I thought it was such a shame because it really is such a fun experience. Oh, man. And I you learn it. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite, dude. Like, it's uh, the, the Global Game Jam this year was really well attended in the Academy. Um, oh, that's really good to hear. It was mobbed. The place was like three quarters full. Um, yeah. You even get free food. Yeah. What's not love? Free pizza. I mean, I was kind of upset because there was like almost more people than they were expecting to an extent. Because I went to the one the year before, and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't badly attended, but it was not massively attended. And it meant that everyone got like a pizza and a half each, which was banging. Uh-huh. And then this year, so many people came and like spread all their creative juices everywhere, and there was only two pieces of pizza for for everyone. I'm just like, ah, oh, you guys. With all your, <laughs> all your enthusiasm, you come in here and ruin a, the giant, massive gut that I got off of the pizza. But um, uh, but yeah, that's just my that's my only gripe of the fact that it was attended well. Um, yeah, man, I think game jams are a very much undervalued skill. Um, like I remember going to EGX. Yeah. And we were stood in queue waiting for a portfolio review. And uh, we were talking to this girl who was going to a different court. I think she was going to Bournemouth or something. And she mm. was uh, she was like, oh, we don't, because obviously Falmouth, we, we make games. That's kind of like the, the, the unique selling point of Falmouth University is that you don't just talk about making games or think about making assets for games. You make games. Um, mm. And, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, we've been like working on our portfolio and stuff. And she showed us the, her model. And it was like, it was really cool um but we were like you know so do you have any game making experience or anything and she was like oh we don't really do that and i'm like oh, okay so you know game jams and she's like yeah i, I don't go to them because uh, i'm busy working on my portfolio and like you know me and my friend who were who were in the queue didn't we didn't say anything because it's not really our place to tell her but like we were yeah. just like oh you like that is the most beneficial thing you could be doing with your time like the the like as much as learning how to make assets is how you get in is like how you get your portfolio to a point where it's good enough if you don't know how to make games, you're, you're, you're starting on the back foot. Like you can, and, and you're missing out on the true joy of this experience, right? Is that seeing everything come together in that final yeah. play experience that everyone conceived of and then finished. And that's the thing I love about jams as well is because it's, you're, you're constantly rescoping and constantly reiterating your concept to be able to make it in that time frame. Oh, man. Yeah, it really. You started on game jams. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Like, honestly, um, for my personal portfolio as well, I, I have had a lot more interactions with, um, you know, potential work opportunities through people seeing the games that I've made and asking me about the games um, rather than just the gifts of cool effects I have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually, like, the gifts, usually what draws people in, but, like, once they see that I have, you know, four games or whatever with my name on it, that's what they always want to ask me about and always want to check out. Hmm. Dude, that's interesting. I should probably like include my game jams. Yeah, honestly, even my, if in my CV, because I've done loads honestly, now. <laughs> yeah, if it's even just a game jam, honestly, you just put it on there. Like, participated in, you know, you list out the jams, link to the games. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't... I haven't... See, this is what I need to do, man. I need to rewrite my CV without thinking about things in terms of university because it's not what I did. Oh, I did this game and I did that game. It's like, where did I learn things and where were the important moments, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. Going in, listing all the game gems. Although there's so many of them now. I don't know. It's... Yeah, you pick and choose. You yeah, pick yeah. and choose. I, got the, good. I, can, I can pick the creme. The creme de la crop. <laughs> oh, dude, what's the temperature like where you are? I sweaty down here. It is... Oh, um, God, I'm not sure. I don't have a thermometer or anything, but it is It is warm. Yeah. Especially for... Because uh, we're, we're quite far up north now. We're up in Scotland, in Dundee. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, like the last few days, it has been boiling outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, especially compared to how it normally is, which is quite cold. Yeah, Scotland's which uh, pretty bold. I very much, very much prefer, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a cold weather kind of person. Yeah, yeah. I like just curling up inside and being cosy. Yeah, yeah, get some hot chocolate on the go. Oh, yeah. Nice blanket, log fire. That's the future, man. Yeah. But yeah, I was actually mentioning Dundee as well. Honestly, after, like, graduating and kind of... Because obviously, you know, we lived on our own at uni, which was cool. Haha, <laughs> so independent. I don't live with my parents anymore. Mm-hmm. So I live in halls. Um, but once I, like, moved out to, like, a completely new city, sort of all by myself, and my own, like, I don't have any, like, you know, I don't go to education anymore. I don't have any of that kind of routine in my life anymore. I just have a job, and I get money, and I have to manage my entire life around that it was it was a bit of an experience uh it was a bit of a journey the first few months yeah a uh, lot of learning <laughs> <laughs> what is council tax hold on. <laughs> oh my god don't get me started account- oh we got in trouble for council tax oh, honestly no. let me tell you yeah, yeah. uh it wasn't anything bad um but once we moved in um we obviously asked, we were like, hey, how does council tax work? Like, what is it? Uh, and they kind of explained it, and they said that they would send us a letter with all the instructions on how to pay and how much we had to pay. Uh, and we were just going around waiting for this letter yep. for like six months. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we get a second letter, which is like, you have not paid your council tax this year. <laughs> you will be taken to court unless you pay up. And we were like, what the oh jeez man so we like contacted them and we were like this is really scary what's going on and it turns out they had just forgotten to send the instructions <sighs> they straight up just had never sent us the actual instructions oh well um, the council. so obviously we got yeah we got pardoned obviously we weren't in trouble for real um still a scary letter to receive the one that says you will yeah, take it to court for six months worth of council tax that you haven't paid <laughs> well i know i was i was like so shocked reading this um but yeah it all worked out it all worked out fine but yeah man yeah that was a bit of a shock <laughs> oh god it must be it must be quite cool really like because as much as you say like you say it's like as much as moving out when you're going to school is like independent and stuff it's not it's not the same as actually having to go out and look after oneself because you've you've got the school there. That's your objective, right? You've got a thing, yeah. an institution to go to and an institution to care for you and look out for you and stuff. Uh, it must be... Uh, is this, like, the first time you've ever, like, lived away from your parents, not including uni? Um, I, I lived on my own 
uh, for about a year when I was 15. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because we, uh, we moved around a lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. My parents just can't stay in the same place for more than two years, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so we moved around a lot. Um, uh, and I was in my last year of school on... I can't remember what the school was called. But whatever school I was on at the time, I was in my last year. Uh, and we were moving to a different city again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like, I didn't want to leave school in that like, last year. So I, I pleaded and begged my parents. Uh, and they allowed me to live kind of on my own in our old house until it got sold. Um, so I got to finish my year of school uh, living on my own like that. That's crazy, man. So you're like 50... Uh, where, what, uh, where was this? Uh, this was back in Norway. Um, in Norway, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in... Because um, I grew up... I was born in Oslo, and I lived there for a few years. And then we moved to Ålesund, where I kind of did most of my education. Um, and that's where I lived on my own as well, because then my parents wanted to move to Sátra, which is like... It's an area around Oslo, so they wanted to move back towards the capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I stayed behind... Uh, just to finish up school and stuff, and because I didn't want to move to Oslo, so. <laughs> Fair play, man. I feel like that that experience did help me a lot, give me a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, dude, for sure. That's like some crazy level of independence, especially like that young. It's not. I don't know. I feel like when I've been to Scandinavia, though, there's more of like a, like everyone's just sort of a bit more down the line, a bit more straight with each other i mean that could just be a complete like misinterpretation yeah. of the uh no, I mean, culture but compared to what i've experienced in england and the uk so far i'd say it's pretty spot on yeah man so what is your interpret you're in scotland now the 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 home of yeah. the, uh, everyone's a comedian um they all... I, think I think scotland's better i think scotland's funnier than england I'm oh just way funnier for sure man yeah <laughs> I know, like the Irish and the Scots and the Welsh, they've all got fucking cracking sense of humour. Oh god, I know everyone. Like, as you said, everyone's a comedian. Like, there's just, you know, you go to the corner store and I'm just buying, like, you know, milk and bread, but the lady behind the store will, like, somehow find some thread to tell me a funny story that happened, and... Let's just call you a pussy. It's just nice. (laughs) I love it. Scotland's Scotland's got a good and especially being English like there's just that fucking they hate us we hate you it's it's just a I don't know England's got that relationship with a lot of places and it's it's entertaining yeah. it's just got that automatic yeah. banter going yeah we met uh, we met a few uh, friends that are around here so we have a few Scottish friends and the amount of times when we're hanging out and you know it's just chill we're just hanging out watching a movie or whatever and they'll say something you know say a word and we're just like what the fuck is that <laughs> or the other way around like, we'll be talking about something and they're like what the heck is that uh i think the biggest one we've had um so you know um you know squash you put mm-hmm. it in water mm-hmm. tastes nice mm-hmm. do you know what they call it up here in scotland go on diluting juice diluting juice <laughs> yeah because it's like juice but it dilutes in water <laughs> love it and I'm like, I get the concept, but like, it sounds so chemical. <laughs> we were like walking down to the store, and one of our friends were like, "Oh, you're gonna pick some diluting juice." And I was like, "What? Like bleach? I don't know. I don't know what that is." <laughs> we put mint in it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I heard the Scottish were strong drinkers. I didn't realize they were onto the old bleach. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a funny one we had. Um, is uh, is your partner from Norway as well? No, he is from the Midlands. He uh, that's why we stayed in Redford, mm-hmm. uh, with his parents for a month. Cool. Where's what was what's Redland next to? Is that near Birmingham or? It is. Um, it's near Nottingham and Sheffield. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, so we did go to Nottingham and Sheffield a couple of times because uh, Redford's one of those towns that is sort of like a, it's very like residential town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's like a lot of houses and a few shops. Yeah, I was. But then you kind of just drive out to the big cities to do stuff. I was raised on one of those <laughs> Potter's Bar outskirt of London. Ah. Yeah, it's uh, it's just uh, it's where the white people go to breed. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, we might be moving down towards London soon, actually. Oh, for real? Um, That's yeah, because, um, yeah, Malta's well, got a, um, yeah, I'm not gonna, not gonna say any, uh, two big names. Because, uh, we are being recorded right now, don't want to, uh, don't want to... I gotta make sure I hide my, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, but we, uh, we might have some opportunities opening up in Guildford, uh, next year, so. Oh, that's awesome, man, congratulations. Uh, we might be heading down there. Oh man, Guildford's a proper, proper outskirt residential, like suburbia. Yeah. It's uh... it is such a it's such a game development hub, though. It's crazy, right? There is so many studios there, and mm. there is so much sort of just game dev things there. Yeah, because we uh, a couple of people we know from our year um, are working at studios down in Guildford now. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know they've just told us all this stuff like it's they're like yeah this is this is like the game dev place to be you know this is where people do game dev yeah yeah they've got some of that in Sheffield as well though and um... yeah there's uh, oh, there's even the um, there's like a video game museum yeah yeah in Sheffield yeah yeah we went to that one that was quite cool they were, they were I... supposed to do the um, the grads in games competition uh, oh right that was yeah supposed to be an expo at that. In that place, however, um, obviously, uh, COVID nineteen has somewhat ruined that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. These uncertain times. Yeah, man. Oh god, it's crazy craziness. I mean, I suppose for you, pretty much. Yeah, business like, as I, usual, uh, right? Like it is. Like uh, whenever people bring that up, like I am, um, you know, don't take this out of context. I don't want to sound rude when I say that I feel like I got the lucky end of the stick with this whole pandemic. Yeah. Because um, obviously there's there's nothing lucky about this. It's it is quite a tragic thing that has happened, mm-hmm. and it's scary. But as someone who already worked from home and was kind of self managing all of my time and assets already, um, I didn't really have to go through that transition period because I was already doing it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's really funny. It's my brother went through a similar because he works for the council, and he was he was like their main guy for transferring everyone to remote work. He was the, the uh, guy in the office who knew how to do remote work, use different chat servers and different file sharing stuff. And so, yeah, so he was the guy that got everyone remote. Um, and so for, you know, for, for him, for you, it's like, it's not that this is a, this is a, a good time for anyone, but it's, you know, it, in terms of uh, like dealing with it, you, you guys were uniquely situated and i think the games industry specifically like i don't know there's been a, i've been reading a lot of stuff lately about different industries and different avenues and different companies that are dealing with it better and worse than each other etc and it's mm-hmm. 
it's kind of fascinating because everyone became a gamer. It's like, oh, I've got to stay at home for two months. I guess I'm going to play The Witcher or some other game, you know? It's yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy. Oh, speaking of games, I feel like I should promote uh, a game that came out today. I don't know if you... You must oh. know, like, Cass and Sean. Um, I do know of them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they've just released their game Psy today. Yeah, I saw, I saw the announcement yesterday, actually. It is... Uh, that's a really good example of how you can really take your student game further because mm-hmm. that's what they did like that was their third year game mm-hmm. and they just you know they knuckled down they kept working on it and now it's a tangible real game it's out yeah. there it's amazing i played it it's really good i enjoyed it a lot i had a lot of um during because during our year of uni um it was sort of like me and sean we were the only people kind of doing vfx yeah yeah so we kind of, we had this sort of rivalry going on between us. Uh, it's like a very friendly rivalry. Uh, and we did a lot of like, kind of, we didn't like work together, but we did a lot of sort of sharing our work with each other and kind of talking about it. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I'm not going to try and pretend I was involved inside, but uh, I was kind of um, watching a lot of it happen from the VFX part of it. Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's. I mean, it's not it's not unfair to say that you you know you feel like you you uh, you helped with Sean's development because I think you know that's the joy of having people around you that are so uh, doing the same thing, especially yeah. in VFX. Because in my year, there was one other guy who did shaders, and he was he was you know he wasn't into much. Uh, the kid's insane, and he actually knows way more about shaders than it seems like anyone else. Um, mm. Uh, even like Paul, the programming lecturer, was like, "I don't have any idea how you do that with shaders, man. That sounds really, really <laughs> technical." And it's and it's just funny because this kid knows his, he really knows his shit. But uh, but like you know, I'd send him stuff. Um, but I've just been sending stuff to to you, and obviously Sean was upstairs, uh, mm-hmm. in the games academy. So I would show him things, and he he basically showed me everything I I needed to know to get started in Unreal. Um. And the the effects they managed to put in the game, there's a there's there's one scene. I won't spoil what happens, but there's a he's done some amazing work with. I guess it must be like the shader or the material or whatever, and it just this big huge effect that's just really awe inspiring. Is it? Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I a think great, uh, great, I think another one. Yeah, great. I think I know what you're about. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People should go play it. You you should all go download it. It is uh, it is definitely worth a playthrough for sure. Mhm. Mhm. And unlike any other game. Um, I read I read all of the uh, the law. I'm I'm terrible for not reading law in games. Uh, I'm just like, oh, I've unlocked a piece of text. Well, why would I read that? I'm, that's not gameplay. But uh, seeing as I I, I, um, I did a podcast with uh, the writer on that game, um, mm. who's uh, Sean's girlfriend, um, it's really funny. Uh. I, invited, I invited Sean on the podcast, and uh, and then he was like, oh yeah, uh, do you mind if my girlfriend comes along? I'm like, no, not at all. That's fine. And she was like, oh, you know, I don't I I I, I don't have to. Yeah, I can. It's. I know it's your podcast, so I'm like, no, no, no. Talk, talk away. She was. That that was all she needed. She just needed the tiniest bit of encouragement, and she was. Uh, she was great. Guest. <laughs> it was entertaining as hell. Um, but yeah, so I've had I had both them on, and I was like, normally I might just skip this text, but since I know the writer, I feel obligated to uh, to to see all of the work that she's put in. Yeah, and no, I I feel that as well. Yeah, um, must, must be cool. You've got. You must have a fair few friends now that have got games that they've worked on and released yeah um i was trying to think of a couple of them um as i said my partner is working on angry birds as a level designer mm-hmm. um 
two of my other best friends, uh, Courtney, she works on Minecraft Dungeons. And that shit looks very exciting. I'm so excited to try that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our friend Ara, she's a writer down in um, Supermassive. She worked on Man of Medan. Oh, cool. So she was a writer on that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, man. So yeah, it's um, it's pretty wild. And like, obviously, I know quite a few people from online that I've just sort of worked with. Um, yeah, like it's it's uh, it's <laughs> it's wild how quickly you can grow your network once you start getting in there. Because mm-hmm. uh, now I'm seeing people post, you know, Twitter, our station, whatever. They'll post stuff from these big name games, and I'm just sitting here like, huh. I know that guy, don't I? <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. I mean, I've only been, um, I've, I wouldn't say I've broken in at all, but I've, uh, I've been to a few events now and I've got like, you know, certain people on LinkedIn and stuff that you, that I like, you know, I've, I've made memories with, I've done things and, and, you know, talked to or seen or whatever. And it's really funny. Cause like you say, it's like, oh yeah, that person's worked on this amazing thing. That's like being released next week or, or, mm-hmm. Or you, you know, you talked to the 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 head of recruitment for a for a company, and maybe you didn't even know who it was at the time. Um, like I had a really funny um, experience with one of the guys who works at Sumo Digital, where I I went to the dev party at EGX. Um, oh yeah, good times. Really good times, free bar, and uh, and <laughs> and I so I went to the went to this this dev party, had a great time. Um, I'd picked up, I managed to scab a spare ticket off of someone. So I was just mm. there on my own. Um, and the next day I went, I was a bit hungover because free bar. And um, and I went and I plunked myself down in a seat for a talk about game jams. Because I was like, I love game jams. Yeah, this I, I'm down for watching a quick talk. Well, little did I realize that the guy behind the podium was like, hey, dude. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> oh, you're the man I was talking to last night for like an hour and a half, like that's mad that you're the guy stood behind the podium and now we're like, and then we went and had a coffee and stuff. And he turned out to be like the, I can't remember if he was like the head of business or production or something at Sumo Digital in Brighton. But it was just like, you never know who you're talking to. Like, yeah. Oh no, that's, that's pretty funny. It was really funny, man. Especially cause like I, when I first, when he was like first like, Hey man, I was like, wait, who, why do you know? <laughs> why do you know who I am? Like what's, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, but it's small. Yeah, no, it's small. it's crazy the kind of things you. Cause I um, I remember back when we um, it's again back when we were looking at jobs, kind of circling back to that now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause our our kind of three options for moving was um, Dundee, Taipei, which is the capital of Taiwan. Yes. Or Hong Kong. Oh wow! Okay. Because um, I I had job offers in both Taipei and Hong Kong, um, so from Taipei it was uh, IGG, which is uh, it's one of the largest sort of uh, mobile game companies in China, mm-hmm. and for Hong Kong it was Riot Games. Wow. Um, unfortunately, I did have to turn those down, um, just simply based on you know logistics, like having to move that far with nothing saved up. Um, and also during a lot of uh, confrontational times in Hong Kong. Oh yeah, true. Um, that was during the Umbrella Revolution, right? 
yeah, I was kind of like, you know, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm sure anyone from the academy would kill to work at Riot, knowing these guys, all the little league players down there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was something I had to turn down. Um, and you know that happens. Like, uh, I feel like it's uh, when you start looking and you start going into game dev, it's really easy to kind of have this, um, you know, the dream studio like. Oh, I really want to work on Overwatch. I really want to work on World of Warcraft, yeah, yeah. League of Legends, like any of these big games. You know, you're like, oh, I want to make the character models for Guild Wars. That would be the dream. Um, but once you really get to the actual getting a job and getting paid stage of your life after you graduated, you kind of realize that it's not just like <laughs> as much as you want to pick the dream job, you don't really have that much freedom in your opportunities like you you'll have your offers and you kind of just have to make like the adult decision on what is best and uh, it can be tough um but i feel like a lot of people everyone i feel like everyone goes through this where they you know you have that dream studio but then you get a job somewhere else and you're like actually i know this wasn't my dream job that i imagined but this is great yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta, uh, gotta follow your own compass. And sometimes you think you know where you're going, and it's not until you get onto that route, and then you look at the mountain, and you're like, mm, maybe not that mountain. Maybe this other mountain I want to climb. Because uh, it turns out there's a lot of, you know, for example, um, Rockstar Games. Right, for the longest time, mm. everyone was like, yeah, Rockstar's the best. Rockstar's the only place to work. And then a bunch of stuff comes out after Red Dead Two, and everyone's a bit more like, hmm, do you really want to work at Rockstar? Oh no, I'm getting phone calls. Jeez, not very professional. Hold on. <laughs> um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll call him back in uh, in a little bit. Uh, we've been going for fifty odd minutes, my man. Oh wow. Um, they're normally about an hour, fifty minutes. Um, so yeah. uh, we can uh, we can we can start to wrap it up if if that's cool. Yeah, we can find a topic to talk about and then uh, stop it. I'm yeah. good. Well, why don't you tell me, so this is something that I, I wanted to learn about, because I am useless at the game, however, you, you seem to very much enjoy it. So what's the deal with Magic? Why do people play this game? What's, uh, okay. what's, what's, what's cool about Magic the Gathering? Let's, let's finish on this. Okay, Magic. What is cool about Magic? I mean, I feel like it would be better. It's one of these cases where it's better to make a list of things that are not cool about Magic, mm -hmm. which, uh, let me tell you, top of the list... People who play mono black commander decks. That is the least cool thing, and I do not want to associate with them. <laughs> um, I, know, I don't know, in general, I feel like, um, to me at least, um, it was kind of. It, it, it always felt like the sort of um, grown up card game. Because mm -hmm. uh, I always grew up playing a lot of card games. Like Yu Gi Oh! was my like absolute favorite thing when I was growing up. Like, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! so much. Uh, I went to locals. I went to nationals once. I didn't win any kind of placement, so we don't... It's nothing to brag about, but I was I was there. I was at the event. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's, uh, that's a lot um, of dedication. Yeah, like, I, I was very into Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, <laughs> was there a big Yu-Gi-Oh! scene in... Was this in Norway when you were going to nationals? Uh, it's... I was playing in... Norway for a while, but I only did local stacks. It's not very big. Mm -hmm. But when I moved to Cornwall, in St. Austell, there is such a big Yu-Gi-Oh scene. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just about um, 
half an hour on the train, I think, from Falmouth. Yeah. I know St. Austell, yeah. And it is... Um, fucking card games are massive in St. Austell, especially Yu-Gi-Oh. It is huge. <laughs> Cornwall's so weird, man. <laughs> like, it's I just... love Cornwall, but it is, it is strange. It's a weird place. It's great. Just... Um, but yeah, so I did a lot of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh when I first got to uni. Um, but then after a while, like, there were so many changes done to the game. Um, my least favorite thing is just the fact that they don't have multiple formats in Yu-Gi-Oh! They kind of just have like the main game. Mm -hmm. So whenever they make changes or introduce new mechanics, the entire main game changes. Um, so they kind of got to the point where like I could no longer play the decks I had because they didn't work with the new stuff. Yeah, they made it obsolete. Uh, and that kind of moved me, yeah, literally power creep. Um, and that kind of moved me over to looking at magic, which I had dabbled in, but never really got that into. Because mm -hmm. magic has like, I don't even know the number. I'm not going to pretend I know the number, but it has a lot of formats. Um, so like, your cards are never obsolete in magic, because there's always a format where you can play them. All right, that's cool. That's uh, cool. Which really kind of pulled me towards commander, which is my favorite format. Because you can just use literally any card. Okay, so what's, what's, what's special about Commander? So, like, Magic normally you have your five different decks and then you, you pick the yeah. combinations, you place lands, you get energy from that, and then you, you fuck people up based on the dudes you place down from your lands. There's a, <laughs> yeah, there's, so you, that's uh, the idiot's guide to, to Magic, Will's, Will's yeah. non-knowledge. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you still have, obviously, you still have lands and mana and energy and all that stuff. Uh, but what makes Commander special is it's uh, you play with a 100-card deck, mm -hmm. uh, so a 100 cards exact, and you have one commander card, which is kind of like the leader of your deck. So you can pick any legendary creature in the game and have them as your commander. Mm -hmm. uh, you can only play with cards that have the same color as your commander. Um, and you can only have one of each card. Okay. So the idea of commander is to make this very kind of thematic kind of roleplay-like deck. Ah. Where you're kind of playing as this commander doing the things that this commander can do. Um, and also, due to the nature of you being able to use cards from, like, 30 years back, there are some insane things you can pull off in Commander that you can't do in any other formats. Yeah, dude, that sounds crazy. Oh, I will just use this random card from 1976, along with this card that was released yesterday, and they uh -huh. combo together to eviscerate your Commander. Yeah, man, that sounds fucking... Yeah, it I've is. never even thought of that as like a role-playing element of a card game, but I guess that could be yeah. really interesting, right? Can you imagine it a game really that was fun. not about... Have you ever heard of... Oh, jeez, what's it called? Five Rings or the Five Rings? Or yes, something? yes. Um, yeah. That had a proper a story Legend in it, right? of the Five Rings? Yeah, that's it. Something like that. It's about like uh, like samurai and stuff. Yeah, Legend of the Five Rings. Two of my friends are so into it, and they have every single like card pack and set from that game ever and they brought it over once to teach us to play what i didn't quite understand about the game is just how wide of a physical space it takes up oh really it was it was massive because they had all of the sort of extra bits and bobs and all the like uh, specially made maps and everything mm -hmm. so it, it pretty much covered our entire front room <laughs> but it was uh, it was a really good time playing that because that really took role-playing in a card game to the next level. Yeah, they they used um, the outcomes of tournaments to decide what types of cards got released in what packs, right? Like, that that's dedication to the uh, to the fan base, right? 
Yeah. It's crazy. That was like, you know, that was, that was, um, community management before we had like steam and community managers, you know, mm. back when it used to all happen at like competitions and shit. It's, uh, they used to make games way more complicated. I suppose they still do make really complicated games, but like, <laughs> yeah, you look at something like, uh, I've never even seen it, but doing the board game. Yeah, yeah, I played that as well, actually. You played that as well. How did that play? Because yeah. apparently it's supposed to be so confusing that even the people who made the game don't even fully understand some of the rules sometimes. <laughs> it's, um... I don't know, like, it kind of played, like, sort of like a regular board game, but with a really, dare I say, unnecessary trading system on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you were, it, it felt like it was sort of mandatory to trade resources all the time, but half the time I was just kind of like, I don't want to give you any resources, because I know you got to, you know, bite me in the ass with those. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, the Catan dude, problem, right? Yeah, so you'd kind of try and, like, undercut people, and then obviously you create alliances with other people naturally, and it, it created a lot of really interesting table dynamics, uh, which... Honestly, I think it's the strongest suit of board games as a whole. Yeah. It's just really kind of creating those social dynamics around the table. And that's what really makes me interested in them. But uh, doing the board game, I probably wouldn't play it again, but I wouldn't say it's bad. Yeah, it's just not your it's kind just, of game, maybe. Yeah, I, I prefer games that are a little bit, um, a little bit simpler and that rely a lot more on like what the players want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a complexity level, right, where it's like, uh, at a certain point, it's like, we're spending more time looking up rules than we are actually playing the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, oh, dear, man, this was, uh, this was really, really fun. Um, yeah, it's been a good time. Uh, is there anything you want to plug social media-wise or, uh, or like your game or send people to places if you want to do any of that stuff? Um... Just, just speak away. Alright, cool. Uh, I'll plug my art station on my Twitter, to be honest. Um, they are the two places I'm the most active. Um, so on Twitter, I am Kevwick. So K-E-V-W-I-C on Twitter. And on art station, I am Kagukin. And those are pretty much my handles everywhere, so... How do you spell Kagukin? K-A-G-U-K-I-N. Okay, there you go, people. Well, this has been uh, Where There's a Will with uh, Kevin Wick, VFX artist, um, and just generally savagely cool dude. All right, thanks for, yeah. thanks for doing this, man. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been Peace. nice chatting. Yeah, all right, adios. Bye.